mother says he was a normal happy boy until he became obsessed with black metal music. Rock and roll! Sounds like Christian Rick. Heavy metal music. The group promotes satanic worship. They're anti-peace and anti-life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Metal Face Podcast. The podcast where normally we discuss free metal albums each week. But this week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're taking the metal out of Metal Face and covering free albums where the only rule is they cannot be metal. So we're the face podcast now. <laughs> Just straight up face podcast. All your faces. Uh, okay. No. Disgust here. You can cut that joke. <laughs> my name is Ben and joining me as always, I have Tom. Tom, say hello. Hello, Ben. And my good friend, Josh. Josh, say hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tom. Hello, Josh. Hello. So on this episode, we will be discussing Florence and the Machine with their album Ceremonials. We're discussing Wolf People with their album Ruins and Neutral Milk Hotel with their album In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. So with this being the no metal metal face, <laughs> I think a good place to start would be to ask how much non-metal music do you guys actually listen to? That's a good question, because for me, it's it's not like that much in my kind of day-to-day rotation. Mm. And to be honest, the album I brought this week, Florence of the Machines... It's, it's actually pretty metal. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty heavy. No, um, it's not something I listen to that much. It, it, it is it is an album I really like, and it's kind of a favourite of mine, but it's not something I have yeah. on my like, kind of normal playlist. So... Who almost said it? <laughs> oh, almost said regular rotation. Almost. <laughs> almost. Managed to avoid it. <laughs> Don't so... cross it with your bingo cards just yet. <laughs> <laughs> you got excited, you got the pen out, you're going to cross it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where I don't really listen to it day to day that much. But when I do, to be honest, like it's in quite a specific subgenres as well. So I listen to quite a lot of yeah. um, I guess like folk and yeah. um, I mean that's kind of it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of selling myself short here. I, I do listen to a bunch of non-metal stuff, yeah. but I don't really track it in a way. Like I I, I, yeah. don't, I don't follow I, it in the way I do metal. It's so. harder to identify the genres a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you sort of go, oh, I like indie stuff, but I mean they have subgenres as well. I guess. I also feel like it's one of those questions that you know, like when you're in the pub and someone says like, oh yeah, you like this band, do you? What's what's your favorite song by them? And your mind immediately goes blank. You're like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> you like music? Name all the notes. <laughs> yeah. There's also, there's no, um, you know, Encyclopedia Metallum for, or Metal Archives, whatever, for, you know, hip-hop or indie <laughs> rock. Maybe there is. I have no idea, so... Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, we're sort of assuming... Well, bottom line is, the music we like the most is metal, so we know really a bit too much about it. So, in theory, all this stuff exists as well for other scenes, but we don't know. It's it's unplumbed depths. I think the metal subculture, though, they do like obsessively categorizing music into genres yeah. more than other, yeah. <laughs> other subcultures. Every Perhaps, metal nerd's yeah. favourite subgenre. Like that's not black folk death, that's folk death black. <laughs> <laughs> An argument we've had on this podcast like four times yeah. already. Crossover yeah. <laughs> thrash versus death thrash, which is actually thrash. <laughs> well, no. Don't uh, open old wounds. <laughs> Tom, what, how much uh, non-metal do you listen to then? I feel like quite a lot, actually. I, I, you know, for a long... So I was really into metal when I was sort of about 16 to when I went to like university and stuff. And suddenly at university, it expanded my music taste a lot, I think. And I was going through definitely a period of time of, over the last few years after I left university of like mainly just re-listening to metal that I liked. You yeah. Know, and not really going out of my way to check out that much new stuff. Kind of feeling like, well, I've got that little fix there. And I really expanded my horizons at that point. Started listening to all sorts of stuff, you know, particularly indie music and, and rock music and some electronic stuff as well. Mm. I, I sort of, you know, I'll listen to anything if I like it, basically. And then in, in um, I think particularly over the lockdown or towards the end of 2019, I started spending a lot more time in the metal scene again and got really back into it, you know. 
But I feel like in that time, I learned a lot of like what was out there, you know. I definitely, I think that um, you know, Wolf Alice and Arcade Fire are two of my favorite bands. Like, yeah, um, I've heard you mention the Suburbs, that but yeah, <laughs> the Suburbs by Arcade Fire is one of my favorite albums. As is um, like pretty much everything that Wolf Alice have done. Not only that, but I'm a massive David Bowie fan. As I've mentioned before, I don't think that all David Bowie hits at, like equal strength. But the stuff that is good is kind of amazing, and he sort of set the stage so much of probably what we're about to talk about. Mm. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I kind of feel the same as Josh, where I'm like, how much other music do I listen to? It's kind of hard to like... <laughs> it's hard um, to track, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's kind of hard to quantify. I would say that normally when I put on some music, it, it, it's metal. It's probably like mm. an 80-20 mm. split, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, there's like indie music that I like, but I, I like a lot of electronic and like... um synthwave stuff as well which to be oh, fair, is yeah, yeah. quite close to metal in a way so i don't know mm. how different that really is well a band like sisters of mercy you could easily like they could easily spill over into metal without much effort you know yeah very yeah, like, gothic yeah i can do this kind of metal stuff we had this conversation we planned this episode didn't we because we originally picked a bunch of non-metal which was quite metal close yeah, to being metal yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did decide to sort of vary it up a little bit i mean I, and i think um we've gone for stuff that's relatively close to what maybe our listeners are into yeah you know these bands all have guitars and guitars or drums to some extent you know <laughs> but there is music without guitars or drums <laughs> but like i mean so me and you ben we particularly bonded over sort of 80s, like, new wave and synth. Yeah, definitely. Okay, like, Oingo Boingo being the primary suspect here, but also, like... Uh, Number one. <laughs> Human League or Ultravox. Yeah, or, absolutely. You know, yeah, tons of that sort of stuff. And I also like a, a whole bunch of sort of hip-hop and rap and, like, sort of that sort of side of electronic music. A bit of techno as well. But I often find with that, it's like, I'll like a song more than I'll like, say, an artist or an album. Mm, so yeah. I was looking at some, like rap that i like a uh, public enemy and i kind of thought oh maybe i could do public enemy but then it's like realistically i kind of only like a couple of songs and the rest of their music's a bit like harder to get into mm. i know exactly what you mean i do that quite a lot mm. i'll pick a song or like two songs from an album yeah and i'll be like yeah this is cool but then the rest of the album really vibe with me i've done that a lot of times in like yeah. <laughs> non-metal sort of stuff yeah yeah no, mm. for sure I do feel like with um, non-metal music, I kind of miss like the culture and stuff that comes around with metal. Like I know mm-hmm. everyone always says that, but I, I think it's true because you know I like the artwork on al- metal albums. I like the t-shirts. Yeah. I like horror movies. You know, like yeah, like I like that sort of stuff before I discovered metal. So yeah, it was a yeah. perfect fit. And yeah. and the attitude yeah. of like a lot of metal being like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna do this anyway." <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's the whole scene you, you mm. get. You don't just get the music; it's part of the whole culture, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I miss yeah. that when and like outside of metal. Absolutely. Yeah, well, there's something about. And we've talked about this a little bit before about how music sort of touches on your identity and how you know you build an identity based on the culture that you're attached to. So the TV that you like, the clothes that you wear, the music that you listen to. Metal is especially like a strong component of that. Mm. Typically, people get into it. They start to kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna buy all the shirts and I'm gonna kind of sort of grow my hair and like you know, becomes quite like cyclical, doesn't it? Like you're you sort of into those things. So you get drawn towards the scene, so you f- fall further into the scene, <laughs> like yeah, reinforce those things. It's quite a well-defined scene in a way. Like there's a, an identifiable look for like metal, you know, mm. it's like the, the black and the leather and the sort of stuff, you know. But I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what your average rap fan looked like, you know. You could draw a loose stereotype or something, but realistically, hell of a lot of people like rap music. Definitely, yeah. And I, I mean, I think the mainstream appeal of metal has waned probably quite a bit over yeah. like, since like mm. the 80s and stuff you know whereas other yeah. genres have maybe come towards 
more of the forefront, like rap, yeah. whereas metal has maybe been on the decline in the mainstream. Other yeah. things, not so much. Well, it's it's interesting. It's been like it's just kind of been like boiling away in the background for like fifty years. Yeah, know? it's like falling down the back of the fridge, and people don't want to. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's moldering. <laughs> it up, yeah. I, 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 it's just a cyclical thing, though, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, it's genres rise and fall over time. Maybe in a few years, we'll be going to see orchestras again. You know, <laughs> wearing big powdered wigs. <laughs> it's always possible. Well, that's. Yeah, I mean, you come to a good point in there. The because post-apocalypse. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also like quite a lot of soundtrack music as well. You know, so I find myself listening to sort of movie soundtracks and game soundtracks a lot. Yeah. A lot of that yeah. kind of like, well, we talked about this with ownerism, right? That kind of yeah. like fantasy stuff. It's not a it's not a leap to a lot of a lot of metal, like battle metal and stuff like that. Yeah, because again, I've, I'd end up just listening to the stuff that's like close to metal. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, definitely, metal, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm very one dimensional, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, because when things go too far the other way, I sometimes just find they don't have the elements of music that I like. I mean, say like jazz, I've said before, I have real trouble getting into jazz because there doesn't seem to be an instinct to like hit things really hard. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like absolutely blasted out. Yeah. I know there's a lot of expression in like wind instruments and stuff, like or brass instruments, whatever they are, like saxophone or whatever. <laughs> But <laughs> it doesn't have that same kind of high impact that I just tend to seek out in music. I love how we know like four instruments on this podcast. It's like <laughs> drum, guitar, bass. Maybe keyboards. Ooh, yeah. that push, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I know what keyboards sound like. I don't really know how they work. They seem a bit like magic to me. So I only really know three instruments. Whenever I hear something that isn't a guitar, bass or drums, I'm like, that's probably a keyboard. <laughs> guitar, bass, drums battle atmospheric sound effects <laughs> <laughs> the davies typology of instruments <laughs> i like this album but it could have done with a bit more anvil sounds in it <laughs> ding ding i actually i know oh, there's some song by obscura where they they sample an anvil sound as part of a breakdown it sounds really good but it is just you don't get oh, that in indie hilarious. rock that's what we're missing out here mm. Mm. you don't hear florence with her anvil sounds do you uh, well that's it i mean we'll go into this later i imagine but there is a sort of thing where I sometimes wish that the sounds that they would use in that they're willing to use in like experimental indie music I kind of wish there was that more of that attitude in metal and I also kind of feel like some of the stuff that metal does I wish I could hear some of that more in indie like, there's not much crossover Baroness is probably the one that yeah, comes to mind of, they sort of sound like an indie band through a metal filter well I think an issue with metal is that and maybe this is an issue maybe it's just my perspective but it's very kind of purist in its in its style isn't it you know it's not like when we have things like metalcore coming out or, or new metal coming out you know instead of that being like a cool new genre everyone kind of laughs at them and i'm, I'm not just saying yeah, that because i'm bitter because i like metalcore but <laughs> you know like it, it i don't maybe i'm completely ignorant of other music scenes but like mm. i feel if in you ha you know i don't know the indie scene if you had some new fusion coming out it wouldn't necessarily be yeah. looked down on the same way yeah no you're right you, i mean we see things like even ghost who are huge right now people yeah. see that coming out and they go no that's not that's not metal that's like rubbish and you're like yeah people object to Anal Nefrek for using like industrial sounds and like drum machines and <laughs> You know, so really, if you try like... and push the boundary in any direction, there's going to be people who are going to go... Yeah, no. if you don't just play another Slayer album, it's, someone's going to complain it isn't real music, and it's like... Yeah, but it can be a bit of a failure of the scene sometimes, where it's like, actually, experimental stuff is how music moves forward in general. Yeah. I think people are worried about losing this, like, metal thing that we all love, but... Yeah, like, and I get, I get you know, that. I think you've got to keep yeah. pushing it, you know, like... It's a difficult balance to strike, for sure. Yeah, you can have, like, expansion with something like...
like ghost and it's like that's allowed to a degree because it's within the like bounds of metal kind of thing it's still spooky it's, it's still sacrilegious <laughs> so it's kind of got the yeah. legitimacy <laughs> yeah. if you had like a christian metal band doing that it would get completely laughed out i think <laughs> yeah i think it's like it's partly to the scene's detriment but also slightly to its credit because yeah. it means if you get into metal there's like an overwhelming wealth of like bands that are just sort of trying everything within this one sound and sometimes having those limits on creativity can lead to like a massive amount of creativity and variation oh, absolutely yeah this would be like quite a cliche question i think that we've probably all heard a lot and i know we've touched on it a mm. couple of times in previous episodes do you find that listening to a lot of dark music can affect your mood do you ever find that like sometimes you want to listen to me indie because it's a bit more uplifting like which way around yeah. does it work for you because i know for me sometimes when i'm feeling like pissed off listening to metal makes me feel a lot better because you're kind of like it's like a release yeah. it doesn't mm. like amplify that feeling like what about you guys i definitely know what you mean where like if you're feeling a bit miserable you listen to sad music and you kind of you know, it feels cathartic mm. but this happened to me quite recently actually where i was kind of feeling a bit down all the time and i was like oh what's going on here <laughs> And <laughs> I, I literally and put on like some upbeat music. He's in the mirror and he's wearing corpse plate. <laughs> I think it, I think it was literally like "Lean On" by Major Lazer or something. Do you remember that song yeah. from like seven years ago? Like really? some track like that. And I was like, "Huh, I feel really good." And mm. I realized that maybe starting my day by listening to like death metal might put me in the wrong frame of mind sometimes. <laughs> but I don't know. That might just be me. Sometimes you need that. It depends how you're listening to it. I think because like quite often I'll listen to I don't know, say black metal or something. And you are listening to kind of the instrumentation of it and like not kind of picking up the mood. You're more like, oh, this is interesting. Mm. Yeah. But like, I sort of find that I mentioned this in a previous episode about necrofilth is that like, you know, life involves a lot of like angst of like just trying to do things right, trying to be a, a decent person, that sort of thing, trying to like not fuck everything up. And then metal does have that thing of it's like a release of, or it's a release of all that tension. It's like the least anxious music going a lot of the time because it's just like, I don't give a fuck. Mm. Sometimes you just need that as a release. But it's a good question about like, when do you listen to indie music? How does it affect your mood? And, you know, realistically, if I'm cycling and it's like a, you know, it's like a sunset and I've had a really good like evening out with some people or whatever. I'm more likely to listen to something which is, yeah, a little bit more kind of chill and transcendent and can make you appreciate the moment in a, at like a slower pace, you know, something that feels a lot warmer. Yeah. I, I doubt I'd be listening to Migler in that situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What about you, Ben? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think I listen to metal pretty 80% of the time. And I find that with metal, you can get a lot of different like emotions anyway. So you can get the uplifting yeah. stuff. You can get the like, you know, fuck this. I'm just going to get it over with kind of music like yeah. when, you're, when you're at work or something. So like... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't tend to stray outside of it too much, but I mean, I love like some synthwave music when I'm like doing some, uh, uh, like boring data entry at work, and I just want like yeah. <laughs> electronic yeah. feet in the background. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. For sure. Definitely. I gotta say, whenever I'm like writing code or something, listening to that kind of music makes you feel like you're like a hacker in any of these movies. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Sometimes, like, you want to dive into these sort of historic. I guess genres like new wave or something to feel a little bit different you're going on a night out you listen to some 80s new wave it will just put you in that mindset that's a really satisfying thing it's like feel like you're in a film or something you know yeah. <laughs> like, i feel like no matter what people say everyone likes doing that a little bit and now i don't know if you want to include this in in the podcast but um a little insight for our listeners we're actually recording this episode which is the first episode we've recorded during the day 
and we're all yeah. drinking a cup of tea or a coffee rather than a beer. <laughs> so it's nice and sunny and it feels a lot more wholesome than our normal episodes. It does. I don't feel like I have to sort of prepare for a descent into hell like Dante every episode. <laughs> Should we be the Indie Face podcast now? <laughs> Let's just do it, yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. God Last damn. Of season, gave up. <laughs> we could change uh, genre every season. <laughs> we're the Classical Face podcast. Classical Face. <laughs> just do an absolutely terrible job of reviewing classical music oh that, that would be hilarious i think i think that would be that, episodes that's a special next season we can definitely tackle like i feel like people would be more likely to listen to that in a way what? three idiots talking about classical music i just i just don't i don't even know what all the instruments are called on that well there's uh drums bass guitar and atmospheric battle sounds i think those are the instruments no you're forgetting um the orchestral elements that you have on your keyboard <laughs> On the anvil, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, so should we make a start on our first album this week? Yeah, so first of this week we have Ceremonials by Florence and the Machine. so those astute listeners amongst you might have noticed that this transition was actually a Florence the Machine special. Sounds slight, slightly different from our normal transitions. And if you can work out what the difference is and, and leave a comment or write in and tell us, um, you'll get mad kudos and brownie points from us and get a shout out. So go for it. So today we're talking about Ceremonials by Florence and the Machine. Starlight is Florence plus the Machine. Um, so Florence and the Machine are, in, are a British indie rock kind of slash baroque pop band, I've seen them called, uh, from London, formed in 2007. They draw their name from their eponymous lead singer, Florence Welch, and her collaboration with fellow singer and keyboard player, Isabella Machine Summers, which is like... Oh, that's interesting. That's, that. that's a pretty cool... Um, yeah. Ne- no one's ever called me Josh Machine Redmond, which I'm quite sad about, that, actually. <laughs> what uh, kind of a machine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, just a machine. Uh, so Ceremonials is their second studio album, released in 2012. Uh, their first album coming out a few years before, being called Lungs. I'm a big fan of this album. Uh, it sounds really big, and there's lots of things going on, which I'm always a fan of. And that's one of the main reasons I like metal, actually. I really like the kind of maximalist sound, which I think this album delivers on. Yeah. You know, the only, you know if this was a sci-fi concept album, I might actually just have this as my favourite thing ever. You know, I feel like there's a lot to like here. There's a lot of things going on. You know, I it's not what I'd normally pick to listen to, to be mm, honest, because, sure. you know, I, I like my riffs. But for me, this album really captures a lot of the spirit of what I like about metal music, and especially yeah. the kind of metal I listen to. And I'm really interested in what everyone else thinks and what opinions you guys have. So, um, Ben, as a fellow kind of prog fan, I feel like my kind of <laughs> love of prog influences my love of this. So, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I can see what you mean about, like, the, the maximalist elements. Like, Florence's vocals are just, like, instantly recognisable. I haven't really listened to Florence the Machine before, but as soon as I put this album on, I knew I'd heard a lot of these songs before. So it's, like, ubiquitous in, like, pop culture if you were alive in um, 2010s, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The instrumental side of the album is strong, but I think it's just totally dwarfed by Florence's performance throughout. She's just an amazing singer. And, like, you know, the music's pleasant, enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one to say anything bad about. It it sounds good. It sounds nice. (laughs) Like, it's really... Yeah. <laughs> nice to listen to. <laughs> like I think there's there's real power in her voice, isn't there? Yeah. That's yeah. something that often keeps me from getting into stuff that's a bit more kind of, you know, indie rock sort of thing is I need some sense of atmosphere or power to enjoy music a lot of the time. Yeah. But there's also so much going on with the instrumentals as well. It like particularly reminded me of Arcade Fire's the Suburbs, which mm-hmm. is one of my all time favourite albums. Mm. I've said that three times now. Really like it. Just in the sense of how many instruments you can hear. If you it doesn't seem like it at first, but if you try and count them, by the end of the album, you're like that. 
that's they, they're doing a lot there like, no it's a huge real... amount absolutely i had that exact experience actually listening to the album was the first time i listened through i was basically just paying attention to the vocal track and then yeah. i thought to myself i need to actually listen to the music as well and <laughs> like realized how much yeah. depth there was there <laughs> absolutely there's a brilliant atmosphere about this album where as you say the vocals are very powerful it feels very dramatic to me like it does yeah. sound nice basically but it seems it sounds to me like i'm i sort of end up picturing like sort of a club night where like things are going wrong and this song is almost like the inner monologue of like something a really dramatic night where it keeps running into the wrong people or something like that you know what i mean yeah i feel that it's, it's like energetic but still really like, it feels quite tense in places and it has a lot of kind yeah. of dark undertones alongside like sometimes quite uplifting tracks and things. There's a kind of like last days of Rome feel to it almost. Like it's kind of a slight desperation. Yeah. And rhythmically, like it's it's quite like it doesn't really let up, you know? It's kinda of like pounding all the way through, I think, as you said in the pre-show, Tom. Like it it keeps moving. It doesn't really slow down and start noodling or getting really spacey. It keeps mm. it up, even in songs like so. The opening track, Only For A Night, that's quite yeah. a kind of spacey sounding song, but it's still got a very strong sense of rhythm and progression through it. And yeah, I think one thing one thing uh, they do really well is all of their songs crescendo really strongly and they build up to something yeah. really strong by the end. So it feels like you go on a journey as you go through the track, which really gives a lot of staying power, I think. Yeah, I sort of found that like, you know, you'll hear like, I, th- I don't think you get this quite so much in metal where it's like, you get like the first chorus and it sounds cool. You get the second chorus and yeah. it like, Maybe it so say the first one's like standard sound. The second one like removes a lot of the elements but puts like an orchestral sound in instead. And then the third chorus is like a combination of those two things. It's almost like thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Yeah. You know that whole like the the, the Hegelian dialectics of rock music. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean, but one thing that really struck me is um I for me I for me. For me. <laughs> for me, I. For me, this album really, despite it not being even rock music, really, you know, there's very little guitar in there. Like, there's a bit, yeah. but it's, mm. it's not really guitar-led. This still has a lot of... I don't know. For me, it, it captures the spirit of a lot of metal music in the sense of it being really big and sounding large. And it's not kind of... It doesn't make any apologies for itself, I don't think. And it, it, yeah. just, it just goes out there. And it really just is very kind of unique and recognizable. It's very confident in the sound. Isn't Absolutely, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you don't necessarily see. Like one of the big issues I have with um, some other music, at least if you have like I guess like a quote marks indie rock band or whatever, and they they, they mm-hmm. kind of have the the standard you know guitar based drums and things. Sometimes it can feel a bit you know. It doesn't sound huge. It sounds yeah, quite standalone. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, I think, because there's a huge number of instruments, I think there's lots of samples going on. There's lots of things layered on top of each other. It's it like mm. really fills the room. Mm. It's almost kind of like quite cinematic in a way. Yeah, there's something about it that has a slightly sort of folkloric feel about it. Oh, for you know sure. What I mean, it, it yeah. seems rooted, and I can't really identify what it is that makes it sound like that. But they've got like I guess they've got like harps and like you know stuff like that in there. Yeah, there's a lot of wider instruments for sure. We'll do it. Yeah, it sort of situates it in this kind of world of like. I just kept thinking of like English folklore type things of like, you know, dryads and woodlands and stuff like that. Well, it's interesting because I've never seen them live. I'd really like to see them live, but um, I looked yeah. on the Wikipedia page of the band. There's a couple of photos of them performing and their sets are all like super like, so one time, so one of the pictures was everything with loads of flowers on it. It looked very kind of midsummer oh, yeah. festival. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, right. And Florence herself normally seems to wear some like normally quite like elaborate looking outfit and it's all oh, quite right. theatrical. It's very cool. And mm. it's just, I don't know, for me, metal's at its best when it's doing this kind of stuff. So to see it in yeah. another genre that's so different, but yet manages to do all the things I like, 
in the but in a different with a different set of tools. I find like, that interesting. Be a bit eccentric and be a bit yeah. over the top. Brings a lot to it, even beyond just for music. Like you say, the performance, the the outfits, and things like that. Definitely, I think the theatricality is like um, something I'm really drawn towards in music. I know people who will definitely see it as like, oh, it's a gimmick, and you know, if you have to dress up, is your music even that good? But I really don't think on those terms. Totally. I think that like the the sound is one thing, and the theatric element is just like another thing that you can bring to this concept of the band it doesn't have to be like purely audible it never really is anyway because albums always have or almost always have like cover art they have lyrics which put like you know words in your head and images in your head and like you know a good gimmick on the stage is just like an extension of that yeah and if you see a band live unless they draw the curtains and perform and that you can't see them yeah. there's always gonna be some of that isn't there but, and, but even even hearing their name unless they're named band a and band b you're still gonna have like an impression Absolutely. based on the name mm, you know totally. like, and even then even if you had like a completely anonymous like no lyrics kind of thing even then music is always drawn from like traditions of music in the past if you know if you have band a and band b and band a has a sort of like pounding synth drum in the background it's still gonna put you in mind of something that's like exists in the world and is like, mm. is like real in culture. One of the kind of issues that I did have with the album is that I kind of wonder if they're sort of suffering from their own success at this point because right. I knew the sound of Florence and the Machine having never listened to them. I instantly recognised her voice. Yeah. I instantly yeah. recognised quite a few of these tracks. And um, I wonder if there's like pressure on them to write some of their hits again and again because I felt like some of the yeah. tracks were sort of trying to imitate things like Shake It Out, which was probably the biggest track on the album. Yeah. And then, but when it got to a track like Seven Devils, I really, really liked mm. that because it felt like a really different attempt on the music. And weirdly, the yeah. comparison that came to my head, which I didn't expect to make, was um, when we talked about Dimmu Borger earlier in the season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> that album took one thing and did it really, really well. And they did yeah. it again and again and again. But I was kind of like, well, I'll just pick the best track out of this mm. and that, that'll be enough. And I, You want to hear them try something different with that sound? Yeah, I really liked Seven Devils. Me too, yeah. As a different sort of take on their sound and I kind of wish there was yeah. they could have cut maybe three or four of those tracks that were like just a less amazing version of Shake It Out and maybe done some more different tracks yeah you wonder how much they're under like music industry pressure to be like you have to write a 14 song album and we want like ballad 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 yeah yeah we want this many songs to do like music videos for which are gonna be on this specific release platform and stuff like that that is like a pressure that massive bands have that yeah. like Timmy Borgia probably don't <laughs> yes, I imagine <laughs> I do think though also this is their second album so even if I, I don't oh, actually really? know how successful Lungs was I think it was pretty big mm. I don't really yeah. know how like when they shot to fame you know I, the, there is a limited amount of a corpus for them to copy before but I, I do take a point in the sense that it, they do kind of retread the same ground a lot I don't know at the same time I think it's an interesting point with the with the, with the industry pressures I, 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 I that could well be it but I think also just an, an album that's an hour long it's really hard to not repeat yourself oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no definitely yeah. no this, this isn't unique to this album it i mean oh no no, no of course yeah yeah i, I don't want to i don't want to like be too nice or too mean on the, like talking about something that isn't metal you know like yeah it's, uh, it's, it's the same criticism i have of a lot of metal albums is yeah okay i've, I've heard this you're just doing the same track again you know like it, it's mm. not something that I would just point towards this album as doing. No, for sure. I, th I think most albums in the world could do with being about half as long, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I went, then, yeah, I mean, this is like a bit of an aside, but then it's quite often the yeah. tracks that the artists don't expect to be massive end up being their massive ones, right? So oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's weird in that way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, this sounds going to sound a little weird, but I'm a big fan of like quantity in art. You know, most of the great mm. artists in the world, they made really good stuff, but it was like the tip of the iceberg of how much they created. Mm. Really a creative person, in my opinion, 
opinion, is going to want to do lots of stuff. Absolutely. Like David Bowie, like the amount of music he made, not all of it's amazing, but you know, you just you can't help but look at it and be like, wow, that guy was a, a true creative. I know what you mean, actually. I think the, the cool point about that is that um, each person will have a different favorite track. Yeah. And I think that's one benefit of, of having a, a, a long album with lots of songs. A very is that good point? Yeah. So, like, if you look at the at least on iTunes, the the top songs from the album, I think it's uh, "Never Let Me Go" and "Shake It Off" and things like. That. Oh, really? Oh, not songs that really kind of took my attention but maybe that's as you say because we're coming at it from a different point of view if they had just put on like the the five best songs that they liked the most maybe they wouldn't have put on you know only for a night or something which is one of my favorite tracks Mm. so Mm. i think i think it's it's a really difficult balance to strike that's a good point and also like you know 14 songs is not that long no no yeah but from another perspective in that like if you listen to this band and you like the sound you might be like oh great there's 14 songs on this album absolutely and i'm kind of gonna vibe with all of them I feel like that a, a bit with Wolf Alice is like that their first album has almost 20 songs in it or something. And I like the sound enough that I'll just put it on and listen to the whole thing. And, you know, an hour later, I'm still listening. And it's like, yeah, great. Mm. It's better than it being like 20 minutes and being like, yeah, I love this, but there's not much of it. Well, you, mm. you see, you're kind of talking me around a little bit, but I also feel like I'm, I'm going to stand my ground on this a little bit because <laughs> I, <laughs> I think maybe the best compromise would be to return to, you know, the sort of B-side system, you know? Like, yeah. I yeah. thought maybe they could have had seven headline tracks, seven, here's some more of what we did, which is like that sort of thing. And then maybe yeah. your favourite track will be on the B-side, and that's always amazing. So, But equally, I think, you know, we look at metal in terms of albums, because it's, I think, a very album-driven genre. And I wonder if, like, maybe other genres just aren't so much about the albums, and it is more <laughs> about a body of work with some hits. Yeah, it's more about the singles, maybe. We, we know very little beyond our cave. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? What is Baroque pop? Who are these strange figures? What are they playing? Where are the battle sounds? Who is this Florence and her machine? <laughs> All right, so I think this has been a surprisingly quite, not controversial, we had a good chat about it. I've enjoyed it a lot. Mm, uh, it's yeah, been really yeah. good to hear what you guys say. So I'm wondering, what are your favourite tracks? So, uh, Ben, why don't you uh, tell me? Breaking Down, No Light, No Light, and Seven Devils were my three favourite tracks, which is quite a few, you know? I mean, I feel like I've been fairly critical of the album um, Mm. in what I've said, but, like, I think there was just a lot more for me to say on the things that maybe I didn't like when, overall, it's just nice music and it's pleasant, and I couldn't really think of much more to say than that. Fair enough. Yeah, it's definitely made me want to listen to their other album, Lungs, definitely. I'll be honest, I didn't know this was only their second album. Um, and that's fucking impressive to be honest um, and yeah I'd definitely like to hear Lungs now I'd, I'd love to see what they started off with and just how much difference there is and it's yeah. I would say this is probably the most popular music I've listened to in a very long time <laughs> so that's been <laughs> yeah. interesting because I think I'm as much as I like to think I'm not a stereotypical metalhead writing off things that aren't metal I do mm. do that <laughs> so it's been good to yeah. listen to something that's classically popular <laughs> I know what you mean about the, the popularity of this album Arcade Fire and Wolf Alice are, are big bands but there's something about it where it feels a little bit more outsidery just because you know they're not like I don't think of them as being like the cultural icons that uh, Florence and the Machine were in the 2010s you know yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, you know having said that I would definitely think I would come back to this album I don't think it's going to be a favorite of mine but I think there are a couple of songs on it Breaking Down and Seven Devils I think the same songs as you pretty much yeah, yeah. those were my favorite songs and I, I I've come back to Breaking Down quite a lot actually since I first heard this album it's oh. uh one that I've, you know, put on when I'm walking to the shops or whatever, just because, like, it just sounds really nice, you know, it's just well recorded, it just sounds beautiful. Wow, it's music, it's like pure <laughs> serotonin. What's, what's up with that? Where's the, where's the, where's the intensity? Why, why the aren't the lyrics by killing anyone? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? Who dies in this song? <laughs> yeah, what's the point? So Josh, you, you picked this album, how about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I haven't actually really listened to other 
Florence that much. It's something I need to do. So I think after this, I'm definitely going to go away and listen to Lungs and um, I think also the most more the, one of the more recent albums, um, mm. How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful, I think it's called. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. For me, my favorite tracks were Only For A Night and Never Let Me Go, which I think is quite different from you guys, yeah. interestingly enough. Only For A Night, I think, is, is, is just probably a really well-written, really excellent song. Yeah, yeah, and I, that, that one did stick in my head, definitely. I, yeah, no, I, th- I think it just uses all the different elements really well. It sounds really big. And I think mm. maybe also it's being colored because pr- the, the prog metal band Periphery did a cover of it, which I really like. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, that might be part of it too. But no, absolutely big fan of this so moving on to our second album this week we are going into a slightly more psychedelic direction with wolf people's album ruins So, Wolf People are an English psychedelic rock band formed by singer and guitarist Jack Sharp in Bedford, England in 2005. And I'd say their sound is a perfect split of folk, rock, and general psychedelic influences. They've released a total of four full-length studio albums before announcing an indefinite hiatus in January 2020, citing the increased geographical distance between the band and uh, increased family commitments. I thought you were going to say, like, the increased geographical distance between Bedford and where they were touring. Like... (laughs) What's happening to it? It's It's just becoming too much effort. (laughs) Tectonic plates have shifted. This road's getting longer. (laughs) Bedford is now located in South America. (laughs) Yeah, so yet another band that I've really got into and then they've split up. So that's always a great a great feeling. Oh, yeah. um, Stop getting into bands. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking hell. I'm the common factor here. So. How many bands have you destroyed? You need to stop listening to Anon Afrak right now. (laughs) So today we're talking about Wolf People's fourth studio album, Ruins. Tom, what did you think of it? Yeah, this was a great listen. I kind of, um, straight away, it was like, it starts with that sort of really nice, soft sort of intro, right? And then there's just that like, Mm. of the guitar. And I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. And then, you know, my instinct was like, okay, this is going to go into something really sludgy and heavy. And then it was kind of like, no, it doesn't. The the drum beat is is like, you know, there's energy to it, but it's, it's essentially quite light. Kind of put me in mind of the Beatles, actually. Mm. Um, I don't know the Beatles catalogue as well as I would like to, but I know it sounds like some of the Beatles I've heard. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, it does have that kind of psychedelic feel to it throughout, which is not something I listen to that much, but definitely something that I really vibe with. I think there's something about psychedelic music and psychedelia in general. It appeals to something in, in your inner mind, doesn't it? Like the kind of the random shit you see when you're half awake. Yeah. You know, when you're like, you're dreaming, but you're kind of still a little bit awake. It's like unformed consciousness, isn't it? It's just like... It is, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how it feels. So it was kind of a pretty like natural uh, comparison to draw with something like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, definitely. In terms of the kind of subject matter and the feel of the music in general. Yeah. It reminded me also of um, Cream quite a lot as well. Yep. Mm. Cool. Yeah, definitely in the guitar tone, I think. There was a lot of sort of very distorted, blown out kind of guitar sound. Yeah, yeah. And the, the way the... You know, the vocals go from like being very high to being kind of in that kind of middle fuzz kind of register. Mm. That was cool. I like that. What about you, Josh? Yeah, so for me, this was this was a cool one. It reminded me a bit of um, The Sword, actually, when they get a bit more oh, kind yeah. Of yeah. weird and vibey in their most recent stuff. Yeah, because they've down they've toned down the like metal metalness. And yeah, the they're kind of psychedelic now, actually. In a lot of yeah, ways. yeah. Mm. A lot of the songs about getting high as well. So I don't know how <laughs> nice. that plays into the psychedelic part of it. <laughs> but no, it's it's I'm a fan of this. It was it was probably of the three albums we did this week the most similar to stuff I listen to normally because I'm a big fan of the sword. Yeah, I do yeah. feel like I cheated slightly. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh... <laughs> I feel I probably picked for most normal taste adjacent. You could probably put this like into an audio program and just swivel some dials. 
and turn it into metal. <laughs> yeah, if you turned up the distortion on the amp slightly, this would be yeah. metal. <laughs> I don't um, know, I still maintain that Florence and the Machine aren't that far from D- Dimmu Borgia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, I do see a point actually. If you has, of knowing what you mean, yeah, more, and more like you can sort of see them in a sort of like elfine kind of dryad world, right? So I would love to gonna see meet a... in a forest one day and be like, "What? What are you doing here?" I just Stephen Borger have got a goat. The crossover needs to happen. I think that would be really good. I've thought quite a few times this week of I would love to hear bands covering like some of these songs, like you say, a periphery. I'd love to see Dimmu Borgay covering Florence the Machine. I'd mm. love to see The Sword covering these guys, you know? can be good. It can be terrible, but I don't even... I love covers, but they can often go awry. I didn't like the um, uh, periphery cover, to be honest. You didn't? Ah. Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You're forgiven. Um, this time. <laughs> yeah, with this album... Um, Covers aside, it does have a very nostalgic feel to it. Yeah, yeah. So I would actually be interested to see them, you know, maybe cover like a pop song and make it sound like what would this be like if it, you know, was written in like the seventies after you just smoked a pound of grass or whatever. Cost you fifty p. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I wrote my notes. I could imagine this being played at Woodstock, but I don't yeah. know if if that's like an anachronism or I, not. I think that's kind of relatively accurate. It's not. A, it's not a long shot. To be honest. No, I, I think, I think it's interesting they've... to see them calling back to genres that have kind of passed out of the public eye. And I'd love to know if there's like a new scene that's like recreating some of those '60s psychedelic sort of things. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they've done. Like that. Yeah, that's almost one of my criticisms of the album is that it feels like they've like put a capstone on those genres on that psychedelic rock uh, summer of love things like that it feels more like a capstone for genre than maybe treading new ground but yeah i i feel like that was maybe intentional and i Mm. I made the comparison in my head this week which i don't know if is an entirely complimentary comparison but they feel like the spinal tap of psychedelic folk where i'm like (laughs) they are so this that it's yeah almost like too much and at points it feels like there's some effort being put into promoting that look yeah yeah like where it doesn't feel wholly natural yeah and, and it's, Perhaps, it's such a yeah. it's such an unusual criticism to have and I, I don't really want to frame it as a criticism because yeah it's almost like you've done this too well <laughs> yeah we've um we've talked before about sort of the the quality of the sound on the album and i think it was i think it was when we talked about chemistry of consciousness by toxic holocaust um sort of referencing Ooh, the fact yeah. that the music is recorded yeah and i feel like we do a lot of that mm. on this album as well where like yeah. the voice and guitars are purposely affected in a way to make them sound like they're coming from a, a record or a wireless radio. Again, Certainly, feeding yeah. into that 60s sort of <laughs> like feel to it. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. The, the, asp- the idea that music these days is recorded, it's not played by like minstrels in a pub. It's like you can kind of, you can take the sound and yeah, like you say, make it reference itself. Like yeah. the way that a microphone is set up will change the sound of the voice. And it's like, that's not something that existed like really before this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And- so electric Electronic music and particularly like pop music that followed the, well, particularly the 50s, but also the 60s, it can kind of reference the fact that it's recorded. You know, Al Nafrat can have an inhuman drum beat. And this is something you see all the time in electronic music where nobody could play this like organically. You know? Yeah. It has to kind of be recorded. There's been a real like, obviously, over time, fidelity increases in music. It's got to a point now where it's so high fidelity, whereas like a vinyl record would have imperfections. 
and like old equipment yeah. would have imperfections analog equipment versus the kind of stuff we have these days so yeah. i think now bringing that back in intentionally is quite like an interesting approach it's quite risky Definitely. in a way like mm. it's something i'm almost surprised modern music fans have appetite for because mm. it's like why would you intentionally make your music worse yeah in, in <laughs> one sense but it, it doesn't make it worse it adds much more atmosphere to it so it's, it, it's a weird it one adds a lot of character doesn't yeah, it? yeah absolutely yeah. although you know going back to the album i have to say that i don't i feel at times like they kind of don't achieve that like characterful vinyl kind of style that maybe they're hoping for and i feel like i would prefer this if it did have a bit more of that kind of uh you know more organically recorded kind of character to it yeah but like that's not a criticism i was expecting to make because ultimately like i do like the album a lot yeah no i know you mean it's it's one of these things where like almost through referencing the fact that it's recorded in such a way it's such a modern thing to do it kind of knocks out the nostalgia in a factor a little bit because like the the idea of these like obviously nostalgic music isn't a new thing but there's been a lot of like nostalgic genres out recently like with the, sure. the whole 80s revival synthwave yeah, stuff yeah. right so almost by doing this it kind of by trying to be old-fashioned makes it sound modern which i think is an interesting kind of contrast overall i think i think you know the sound of it is really served well by x it, re- it really makes the spaciness the kind of psychedelic vibe sit really strongly in the music mm. whereas something like to compare to you know as i mentioned the, the, the sword in their earlier stuff is much more kind of rock right whereas yeah. this is firmly in the psychedelic territory yeah which i think definitely makes it feel more unique it does feel fresh in a sense because if you go back and listen to like an album by cream or led zeppelin there are songs like this on that album but sometimes as you say it's just like the a side or the b side and there are there's a lot more variation on you know, with like Cream's albums and stuff where if you want to hear stuff like this, your best bet really is to listen to a band like Wolf People rather than purely picking yeah. up the songs that yeah. Cream wrote that were psychedelic. And that's what I mean about this like capstone for genre idea is that yeah. they've gone, what are all the things that make psychedelic rock? What were all the things that really yeah. carried out through those those albums and those those movements in like the sixties and seventies and stuff, and they've just brought those elements together and then maybe they could have pushed a little bit further in some areas and maybe tried to do something a little bit different. But at the same time, if you were like define psychedelic folk music, you'd be like, well, okay, wolf people. There you go. <laughs> it's like yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it does what it says in the tin. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I did want to ask Tom. I feel like there was a little bit of noodling on this album. How did you feel about that? I'm all right with that, I think. Oh, I really? Think, like, really? It, it depends what I'm listening to in terms of how much I like the noodles. <laughs> I feel like with psychedelic stuff, you're there for something that's like spinning out a little bit and yeah. like, you know, tripping over itself and kind of like, all that sort of thing. I feel like with metal, I feel more impatient with the music. I want it to be... Generally, I like metal that's fast. I, yeah, yeah. I feel like with this, it, it just lives in such a different kind of world. It feels it feels like summery. It feels bright and like glowing. It feels like you want to be sort of lazing around in a park listening to this kind of thing. This music does of... conjure up a lot of like seasonal imagery for me. <laughs> Like yeah. Some yeah. songs feel very like autumnal, and then other songs like obviously Night Witch is like a very wintry yeah. song, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, by comparison, a band like Grusia, I feel like that's winter music. You know what I mean? That's like, city music to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's city in winter music. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like freezing in a city, like just like bleak and chaotic all at once. This is not that. It's yeah. very much. It's doing what that album's doing, but it's doing it the opposite way around. It's it's calm. It's summery. It's it could be like. Yeah, if you're going for a walk in the countryside, you could listen to this, you know, like yeah. look at look at a river and all the little bugs dancing on the surface of the water. Nice, lovely. Beautiful. Ah, I'm there right now. Yeah. Ah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's nice. Look at ooh. that. <laughs> ooh, the, sun, the sun's warm. <laughs> There's a little man coming out of that hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gnome. 
<laughs> oh my god, a gnome! It's got a knife! Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> we switched to Grusha! <laughs> oh god, stab me! Ah, uh, run! Lose me! <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> then you step in a bear trap. Just a cannibal corpse. <laughs> no metal. <laughs> so with all that said and our weird descent into gnome violence, um, Tom, what would be your favourite favorite tracks on the album? Um, Night Witch is the one that really stood out for me. Yeah. That was kind of where I sort of started to vibe with the album. I think, like, in general, I kind of just could put the album on kind of anywhere and tend to enjoy it. Maybe I just haven't spent enough time getting to know it. I'm not sure. But, like, this music more immediate than a lot of metal. If you're listening to Nile, it might take a few listens before you kind of really vibe with it and start to recognise parts of it. Because it just is a bit more noisy, basically. This doesn't really have that, so I feel like I was very quickly like, okay, this is the sort of thing this is, and I like this. And, you know, Another song that stood out was Salt's Mill. That bit where he, I just kept picking up the word childhood when he's like singing it. Hmm. It sounds just like, it just sounds like Cream, you know? The yeah. band Cream. <laughs> sounds like the sounds band like Cream. cream. <laughs> Not what you put on a scone. <laughs> and how about you, Josh? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed this overall. My favourite tracks were definitely um, Night of Night and Thistles. I really liked Thistles. I thought it was really cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I de- like that. Definitely going to go on the uh, on the playlist. On the old um, regular rotation. No, on the on the um, on the Common Revolution. <laughs> Um, Very good. Yeah, so no, that's definitely going there. And I'm actually quite excited to check out some more of um, these guys yeah, uh, after the show. For sure. Uh, I definitely want to hear what, what their other work sounds like. It's like, if I want to listen to stuff like this, I'm going to listen to this band. I know that's potentially a bit of a redundant statement, but... <laughs> yeah, well, true. No, but yeah. I know what you mean, though, because it's, it's like your one-stop shop for this kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's interesting, because again, we've all picked like different tracks. Night Witch, obviously, one of the best tracks in the album, I think. Crumbling Dias was probably one of my favourites. Oh, interesting. I really overlook it a lot, I think, because it has quite like a fluty intro that doesn't really link to the rest of the song so you know i can't really like when it starts playing i think i quite often make the mistake of skipping it because i'm like i don't know i don't recognize this track uh, but as soon as yeah. it goes past that and the guitar's kicking and kicking again i'm like oh yeah no this is one of my favorite tracks in the album <laughs> it's pretty oh man that's know. interesting fluty like um that bit in spinal tap with the <laughs> stone edge <laughs> yeah the spinal tap comparison i'm 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 worried about the comparisons I make with music. <laughs> I'm making links in my brain that shouldn't make sense. I once wrote a review uh, for a music website and uh, it got posted on my Facebook page and someone commented that the comparisons I'd drawn between them and another band were so ridiculous that they were unfollowing the page in protest. <laughs> so wow. don't worry. Oh dear. That's, that's a bit worrying for our listenership. <laughs> no, I, I, I was a, I, I, all the comments I got were almost universally negative. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Increasingly worried for our listenership. <laughs> Uh, so as of episode 12, Josh will no longer be part of the Metal Face podcast. <laughs> He's got to start a band called Florence Borgia. <laughs> Heart oh, black metal would be fucking cool. I stand by that. That would be cool, man. Up next, we're talking about Nutrimic Hotels in the aeroplane over the sea. Nutrimic Hotel was an experimental indie folk rock band formed in 1989 that's self-described as Fuzzfolk. In the Aeroplane Over the Sea is their second of only two albums, although they did have some other EPs as well. And it's nonetheless considered their magnum opus and recognised as one of the most critically acclaimed and influential indie rock albums of all time. Blimey. It's easy to have a generic impression of what indie rock can sound like. I think this album kind of blows all that out of the water in a lot of ways. This album fuses blown out guitars and bass with pounding drums, as well as acoustic guitar and entire brass sections, even singing saws and bagpipes 
It's got there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, the singing saw. I found out what a singing saw was this week, and I'm <laughs> I'm amazed. It's, cool, isn't it? it's very cool. The uh, the vocal sound is pretty unusual as well. Every verse is sung in what sounds like one breath, one singular exhalation. So it becomes extremely strained and wailing and frantic a lot of the time. It's quite an unusual sound. There's a lot of mythos around this album. It came out in 1998, about the time the internet was really starting to grow. Ah, the internet. And this is one of the albums that got sort of really cult status on you know music forums and music websites. They toured for a bit after they wrote this album, but I think they actually had to cut the tour short because their popularity was just too much for the singer to handle. Oh, I, yeah, I'm dreading when we get to that point. Yeah, I know. It's going to be but terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Our meteoric rise is bound to start soon, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of debate about what the album is actually about. The lyrics are sort of super surreal, you know, really bizarre stuff in there. Lots of really unusual imagery. But there are more than a few allusions to the Second World War and Anne Frank, which is what it's generally considered to be about. It deals with ideas of childhood, of trauma, love, desire, and the abject failure of humanity to prevent the atrocities of the Second World War. So oh it's big stuff. It's a lot to take in, yeah. But... You know, that aside, Josh, what did you make of this? Uh, yeah, so I found this interesting because when you said in the intro, this isn't what generic indie rock sounds like, I kind of disagree because I found it, it sounded a lot like my imagination of what indie rock was mm. like. Oh, really? That's interesting. I kind of felt it sounded quite a lot like a lot of other things I heard. Yeah. Looking at the date of it, I don't think that's because they copied anyone. I think it's because everyone else has been copying Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's certainly very possible. You have this with Bowie a lot. Like, I've listened to a lot of Bowie, and there are songs where I was like, wait, this is this is Somebody Told Me by The Killers, but obviously they took it from Bowie. Yeah. Or like, you know, This Is The End by My Chemical Romance, but they took it from Bowie. Yeah, no, I, it's a weird one. But um, even within that, this album really, like, crossed is like a whole spectrum of different musical styles and it approaches does, yeah. which i enjoyed there are some parts i definitely enjoyed more than others though yeah uh, but i think that's kind of natural for having so many things in, in a single in a single mm. work you yeah. know and i think that kind of calls back to what we were talking about earlier because this is actually quite a um when you factor in the number of different you know styles in this album yeah. it's actually quite short yeah yeah, because he's got yeah. everything from like indie folk fuzz lo-fi stuff you know really sort of like i said blown out amps and guitars all the way to yeah. like eastern european folk music kind of mixed in there yeah yeah, it's it's an interesting combo. It almost um I think like anticipates, you know, like a lot of post rock bands which have that kind of same blown out yeah. feel and like weird instruments and things. Yeah. And the brassy bits combined with the lo fi guitars in particular remind me of a band called um like Starshells. Oh yeah. Who have a similar kind of style. They're they're oh, bona fide cool. post rock, you know. So it's it's yeah. interesting. Well, I love the brass section. They're really cool, yeah. And I, I, I think it's so fascinating how how this band who you know, I don't necessarily draw a line easily between, you know, heavy metal and indie rock, but here we are. Uh, you can see how they've directly influenced um, some, you know, of the most modern developments in 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 our kind of you know favorite genre. Mm. And I, I think it's it, it's really cool, particularly when the lo-fi guitars are there. He's going all folk punky and it's kind of like you know really yeah. fast vocals and quite intense. Mm. And when there's brass, I love all that. Yeah, when it's um, is it King of Carrot Flowers Part Two where they yeah. just drops into that like oh yeah really rumbling kind of heavy guitar. That I, bit's I, I great. didn't expect it the first time I listened to. That it. was very unexpected. After the King of Carrot Flowers Part One, the first track on the album, I thought it was going to be that. The whole way through and then when king of carrot flowers part two and three started yeah it was like okay we're going in a totally different direction complete yeah. turn, which i don't know there's a lot of things in this album which i don't know how they managed to bring them together but they really did it's amazing it doesn't collapse under the weight of itself yeah particularly like the vocal style i think it's quite often like quite separate from the music and quite yeah. above it it's weird how you can put things that are so far apart but they somehow manage to connect i'm obviously yeah, absolutely not talented enough to understand how that works <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that they did with this uh jeff mangum the singer he, he didn't want it to be kind of digitally recorded but I think they did kind of record it in a modern way but then they fed everything back through like 
and Josh, you might have to help me out here, through like kind of analog recording and like cassette kind of tapes and stuff so that it would have that layer of like warm fuzz that you get on that sort of thing. Mm. I, I appreciate that you think I know about these things, but I have very little understanding of how recording works, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I, I, yeah, um, but I think that, sound, that sounds about right. That sounds plausible. Yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds plausible. <laughs> this is one of those albums that we've covered where it wasn't enough time in the week for me to really digest it, I think. I wish mm. I'd had more time mm. for it. Yeah, this is uh, there's a lot in this. Yeah, on, on first Absolutely. listen, I didn't love it, but no. I listened to it again a couple more times, and then listening to it this morning, right before we recorded, oh my god, it's grown on me more and more and more, and I'm yeah. I'm really enjoying it now. Like There's certain songs that I, I love, like they are like 10 out of 10 tracks, and yeah. it feels like it's... I'm going to try and think quite hard about how to make this point, because I don't know if I've got the right words for it. But right. it feels more satisfying because it's like hard earned because I've had to pay attention yeah, to the music yeah. and understand it a bit more. Yeah. I feel like I like it even more for that fact. Whereas, yeah. like I said with Florence the Machine, it's pleasant music immediately and it's kind of easy to understand why it's nice. Yeah, and there's a lot of cultural cues that help you out of just yeah. like you've heard pop before, you've heard indie before. Yeah. You're kind of already there when you listen to Florence and the Machine. I think, I think for me it's probably because it's just so far away from other stuff that I have heard and that I am into. Yeah. Like you were talking about this um, whole, you know, was it indie fuzz? That sort of... uh, they call it folk fuzz or yeah. fuzz folk. <laughs> See, like, and that fuzz makes... Wrong. That's a good word for it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, but it's um, it's it's also very different from Wolf People, which I feel like is yeah. closer to the stuff I normally listen to. Wolf yeah. People is not far from Sludge and things like that, whereas sure. this is very different, and it's taken me a bit more to get into mm. it. But now that I'm into it, it's going to be on the um, the common whatever Josh called it earlier. <laughs> the common occurrence. The com- common like revolution. The common revolution. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, it lives in such an unusual world conceptually. It doesn't feel like you know, we're talking about wolf people it just kind of feel like you're in the, in the forest or a 60s festival Florence and the Machine it's like a sort of dramatic kind of nightclub or like you know love life kind of thing this lyrically is really unusual very surreal and it situates itself a little bit in like the second world war and that period of time but it also situates itself in like memory it feels to me like it's like somebody looking back over their life kind of knowing that they're going to die it's very there's nothing about this album that makes you think about the future you know it Mm. all feels like reflection on the past quite introspective really isn't it it's got a very kind of internal kind of focus there i think the vocal style really leans into that with the sort of yeah. stream of consciousness like just rambling out the lyrics almost in a way and yeah absolutely winding around different parts of the music yeah yeah and there's a, a lyric in there about um now she's a little boy in spain playing pianos filled with flames it's like i don't know what to imagine there but at the same time it's full of imagery mm. it's kind of open to the imagination isn't it like it, it, it gives all these very dramatic kind of vistas and kind of surrealist kind of almost Dali-esque worlds. Yeah, that's a good point. And I kind of imagine the sort of Dali-esque like colour scheme. Like there's a lot of like brown yeah, and orange too, and yeah. yellow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like I'm wearing yeah. corduroy no matter what I'm imagining. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing corduroy and you have a, a centre-parted hair that comes down exactly <laughs> to your shoulders. <laughs> You're in a Wes Anderson film gone wrong. I don't know if gone wrong is even the right thing though. I feel like it, it is mm. like Wes Anderson in a way. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. Cause there's something about that's like slightly sort of ugly in terms of like his voice is very like wailing a lot of the instruments are like blown out and stuff yeah but has that but it's still i don't know if like things like ugly and gone wrong are the right words because it just feels quite honest to me it feels quite yeah human 
and quite open. And in particular, the song Ghost at the near the end of the album. Oh, yeah. That's the track that actually did give me a feeling of sort of resolution and not in a mm. um, like, because I agree with the other things you've said about the album, about it being sort of feeling a bit about like reflection on your life and, and death. And then I think yeah. Ghost sort of wasn't about doing away with those feelings, but more just sort of being at peace with them and being okay with it. It's quite triumphant, isn't it? And it yeah. sort of takes like, you know, as the album goes on, it takes stuff that you heard earlier in the album, kind of rephrases it. I don't know if it does it directly, but it feels constantly like it's calling back to itself and kind of circling around the sound mm. over and over again. You get these different movements in different songs. Like it's like you've got happy, sad, like melancholy stuff, and then you divide it up into like now there's a sad song like halfway through, and then at the end there's kind of this like jubilant, sort of triumphant kind of feeling to it. It wraps up really nicely. It doesn't feel like a depressing album, but at the same time there's parts of it that are like genuinely sad yeah i know you mean it's a weird contrast isn't it mm. i think almost it's a bit like um Florence machine in that sense in that a lot of the songs so a bit like Demi well. <laughs> yeah so it's it's it's, it's, it's very much a black metal album um, <laughs> when you really think about it <laughs> you gotta really think <laughs> <laughs> no yeah but like to be serious, with, with Florence uh, on Tyrannus, there's a couple of tracks which are really bleak, but the album still sounds quite positive and uplifting. Mm. And the folklore mm. of the album suggests that, so the, the story basically goes that Jeff Mangum, he found a copy of Anne Frank's diary when he was in Amsterdam, and he read it kind of start to finish and was so surprised with that, you know, kind of overwhelmed by this idea that there was this young girl so full of life who her life was destroyed by this kind of uh, completely abhorrent existential force and he said that he just sort of broke down after that and was like how could this have happened and that a lot you know a lot of people suggest that this album is like his answer to that of like the world is a, a dark place and it's full of all these tragic moments and moments of genuinely like deep melancholy and like sadness but it's also ultimately filled with like joy and the you know triumphant jubilant thing of even being alive like, there's a line in it where he says how strange it is to be anything at all. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think that a lot. <laughs> oh, it's getting all deep. It is getting deep. Very <laughs> existential deep. album. Yeah. <laughs> Need some existential I'm, chats. I'm going to do Action Bronson next time. I think, like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit more just, like, fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys have any favourite tracks? Yeah, definitely. I'd say Two-Headed Boy and Holland 1945. Yeah, two really really good tracks I love the guitar sound throughout the whole album and I think Holland 1945 started like so powerfully Yeah, it, and it hit hard and I think that was as well whilst listening to the album that's the point where I started to do a bit of research and noticed the like Anne Frank connection and started thinking yeah. about the lyrics in that context and that's mm. when it um kind of hit pretty hard yeah i definitely find that like i can put this on and kind of enjoy it but i always end up getting swept up into like the feel of it mm. which as we say is like there's a darkness to it but it doesn't leave you kind of feeling sad no you know it's uh ultimately there is as i say something triumphant about it mm. it's an interesting mix there for sure yeah yeah what about you josh yeah for me you know my top tracks were king of carrot flowers two and three mm. um and in the airplane over the sea right the title track oh, yeah. um like i don't know I, I, there's a lot of like there's there's a lot to like in this album. Yeah. There's some bits which don't grab me as much, but the bits I do like, I think are really good. So yeah. I'm really happy just to focus on those. And those sure. songs, I think, sum that up. Nice, yeah. I tend to listen to the whole album in one go when I listen to it, but there are moments that I wait for, and I think, yeah, Holland 1945 and In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, they sort of stand out. The song Ghost I also really, really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, cool was, one. that was definitely very good. Yeah. There's not a lot of bad choices on this, for sure. No, no. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so that was episode 10 of the Metal Face podcast. Episode 10, fuck me. Or episode 1 of the No Metal Metal Face podcast. <laughs> of the Face podcast. Yes. <laughs> we covered Florence and the Machine and their album Ceremonials, Wolf People with their album Ruins, 
and Neutral Milk Hotel with their album In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. Gotta say, what a weird Some... name for a band. Neutral Very Milk weird, Hotel. Yeah. A milk hotel already mm. feels weird, but the fact that it's neutral, what's up with that? I Yeah, I don't know. My theory is if you you got milk of magnesia, which you take if you got up the stomach, and that's alkaline. Okay. So neutral milk would be non that. And you've got a hotel that serves it. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, give give me five hundred words on that. <laughs> you have a PhD dissertation on that by the end of the week, which is tomorrow. So, so how do we feel like this um, non-metal, sober daylight recording of the Metal Face podcast went? Well, I've had to close my curtains to reduce reverb, and now my room is really dingy. I feel quite sleepy. So, <laughs> brilliant. So, the non-metal episode sent Josh to sleep. In short, no, not because the music. I do. Um, I'm, I enjoy having these episodes within the uh the season as we as we call it yeah. it's nice to sort of yeah take a step outside and see what else is going on yeah. like i'm looking forward to going further afield i think on future episodes yeah absolutely um, i think yeah doing some doing some hip-hop or some like you know star yeah, cool. pop or something is going to be very different yeah i wonder if we we played it a little bit too safe this week if you think we played it safe um or didn't leave a comment and tell us yeah that's a good point yeah that's true yeah i'd and... like to know what other people who are listening to this podcast also like that is outside of metal and... yeah definitely what should we be listening to? Because I think it's a area that we need help. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> Guidance. But We're lost. <laughs> checking stuff out that's outside of the genre that you listen to makes you appreciate your own like kind of tastes as well. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. While we're on the subject of audience participation, we have up on our Facebook page at the moment a post where you can comment what album you'd like to see in next season. And we'll do a poll before the season starts and we'll review something that you like for a change. <laughs> Hopefully not for a change. <laughs> so we are hurtling towards the end of our first season. Mm. We've actually only got one more set of albums to cover, right? Yeah, that's right. So next week we are all going big. We've picked some big, big bands. So Tom, what are you bringing next week? So next week we are going to be listening to Ramstein's most recent album, their self-titled album. It was, I think... My top album of 2020, according to my Spotify wrapped oh, summary really? at the end of the Damn. year. Yeah, a lot of the songs on there were, like, the album was the number one album. Yeah. And then I think out of my, like, top 20 songs, probably half of them were from this album. Brilliant. I listened to it a lot. Oh, uh, that's awesome, yeah. Uh, Josh, how about you? What are you bringing? I'm bringing, okay, I think this is going to be another one where I bring hate upon myself. A Josh move. God. Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. No! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Re- I, I, it's unfairly maligned. I think it gets. I, they, I think you guys will actually like it. Okay, so my choice will be Ghost with their album Melioria. <laughs> Been waiting for Ghost in this podcast. Mm. And we will be covering the deluxe edition, which um, has the track Square Hammer on it because. Yeah. Oh yes. Isn't it not? So that's not on the original album. Given that it's I the, know that's crazy. That's their it. biggest song. It was one yeah. of the biggest songs of the last like five years or something. Metal. It's got to be, yeah. Yeah, so we're beginning a little bit spooky next week. A little bit spooky. We're all going to be uh, <laughs> we're dressed as our respective bands. Ben's going to be there dressed as like a pope. I can just be there dressed <laughs> as a, in my lederhosen. I'll have my ridiculous oversized jeans and wallet chain. Oh, nice. God. <laughs> Backwards baseball cap. <sighs> Fuck. All right. <laughs> right. Well, I look forward to next week. Frosted tips. <laughs> Fantastic. If, all if, right. If you buy the Patreon, you'll be able to see my frosted tips. Yeah. <laughs> we have, we, yes, the Patreon, which doesn't exist. Our only fans. <laughs> when it does exist, in 10 years' time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I will catch you guys next week. For next week. Some, Sweet. some big old band. Oh, yeah. See you later, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 
that was the Metal Face Podcast. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for Season of Mist, Carrick, Anger, and Separation for their music in the intro. And thank you to Johnny Peterson for Transition Music Throughout. Go check out his projects at Heads for the Dead, Massacre, Worm Vale, and Wombat. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Take it easy, and hail Satan. I think this is one of the first albums... No, that's not one of the first. One of the first albums I've ever listened to. (laughs) (laughs) I've never listened to music before this. (laughs) I've been lying every week. I won't (laughs) do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I shan't be coming back. Um, (laughs) 